one, two, three, four, five. Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. We are on God podcast episode number twenty nine. So yeah, discuss... almost trenta. Almost thirty. So that's true. <laughs> Jesus, I don't think either of us thought when we started this thing that it would actually be going on quite this long, or ah. that we'd enjoy making it this much. Yeah, I, I knew I was going to enjoy it, but I didn't think it would. Um, yeah, it, it has fulfilled all of my expectations and more. It's filled a hole in my heart. Uh, ooh. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, anyway, so... <laughs> the ooh is directed at something else, not the hole in the heart. <laughs> okay. Okay. I just, I'd, I'd like to think that you weren't ewing at the hole in my heart. Um, so... I, I have, uh, as I said before we started this, I have um, multiple topics that I want to talk about this week. Um, mm. yeah, unlike many weeks before, I am actually prepared. I, one of them, and I do have to preface this by saying that there is some controversy surrounding this. Um, controversy. And I, yeah, you, yeah, Fine, pronounce it <laughs> however you want. We controversy. So hold on. Is the enunciation <laughs> in British English controversy? Uh, I mean, that's how it's meant to be pronounced. Well, in not in the U.S. In the U.S., here. it's controversy. Like we put an. We I'll put look the, it up while you. We ramble. put the <laughs> emphasis on a different syllable. Go back to your tea and crumpets. We were first. <laughs> Um, anyway, I, I wanted to bring this up mainly because, uh, I, I watched the series recently and was, like, heaping so much praise on it. Uh, the, one of the co-stars of The Mandalorian, um, this woman, uh, Gina Carano, she plays, like, this kind of, uh, buff, like, star fighter pilot who ends up, um, you know, kind of on the outs after the Empire takes over and then falls and... She's sort of an outlaw, and the Mandalorian meets up with her in one episode, and they. Wait, wait, wait sorry, we're talking about the the Mandalorian. Yeah, we're talking about the Mandalorian. Right. Yeah. Sorry, my head went to the other space program. Uh, the, the Expanse. The Expanse. <laughs> the Expanse. Yeah, yeah. No, we are talking about the Mandalorian, and we're talking okay. about the, the the female co-star. The she's. I think I know where the story is going because I've seen a lot about this on YouTube. Yeah, and this is why I, I prefaced it by saying it's a bit controversial. Um, I'm not going to get into too much of the controversy. What I want to talk about more is what the aftermath of it was. So yeah. she said something, and she pointed out a very real historical fact, um, and that's that... And, God, I feel like I have to talk like a baby because of YouTube, but because of the bad guys in World War II, um, mm -hmm. the way that they were able to hurt so many people um, and was that they used propaganda to convince just normal everyday people that those people were evil and that became their impetus and their justification for the, the horrible things they did um, right. and that's what the, the those no-no people were what the stormtroopers were based on yeah exactly and so this this woman on her personal account not related to like the her professional life at all um well i mean she's an actor so i guess it's technically all related but 
she just pointed out that fact and said that, you know, she was worried that people in the modern day are being dehumanized in a very similar fashion and okay. pointed out that comparison. People immediately got offended because, you know, I, I don't know, just any time that you draw no any sort of analogy to World War II, people get offended. Yeah. I, I don't want to focus too much on the offense, but long story short, um, not the segment the phrase um (laughs) disney um fired her yeah well it's not clear whether she was fired forced to resign or was on her way out anyway and this just expedited it but one of those three things happened and regardless of which one of those three things happened the optics for disney were not good because the next like couple days the number one trending hashtag on twitter was cancel disney plus yeah and well so people were i because she she actually was she was a character that i didn't like in season one but as the um as the series went on i i grew her character really grew on me Mm. she's a surprisingly because she's an mma fighter that decided to become an actress and oh shit she's surprisingly talented like a her um her fight scenes are like obviously Done on point <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> like that's that's what she did professionally beforehand but i think she she almost seems like a like a Dwayne Johnson kind of person where he was he was a football fighter or a football fighter a football, a football player <laughs> he just went out on the field and punched football people <laughs> um, professional streaker <laughs> so but he was he was a football player, and then he went on to do like the whole professional wrestling thing, which is acting anyway. And then he went on to be an actor and was very successful. And I, I think that yeah. she's following a very similar vein. So again, talented person, um, and a character in the the series that grew on me. Um, but because of this controversy, like D- Disney, Disney has walked into a worrying trend that a lot of companies fall into now, and that's that they see a bunch of people on social media, you know, all shrieking and complaining about a particular person or thing, and they immediately take the corporate response, which is, oh my god, we hear your concerns, and we're going to take care of this right away. And when they do, that just pisses off more people. So it doesn't really help anything. I think responding to mobs like that really doesn't ever help anything. But I mean, it's good to listen to your fan base, but there are some things that you should not listen to your fan base for. Like, if it's creative design tips, like the, the Sonic movie, yeah. everyone was like, dude, that looks absolutely awful. <laughs> and then yeah. they made it better. Brilliant. And, and the thing is, I actually saw that movie over the, the Christmas break with my parents, and um, it was pretty good. Yeah, I still need to watch it. Uh, maybe that needs to be a movie night at some point. Yeah, it was um, a good movie. Yeah, uh, firing someone from their job when... Uh, no, no one on the outside, no one in the public view, will have the full story. Because yeah. they don't know about the conversations that go on within right. the company, and and that's why I kind of prefaced it with like it's not clear whether she was fired, whether she was kind of pressured into resigning, or whether she was mm. on her way out anyway, and this just all culminated. But yeah, go on. Yeah, so they they threw her overboard 
basically. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, way it rather seems. than risk it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I've seen a whole bunch of videos, particularly by critics that I watch, um, with her face on saying, you know, the mob got their way and Disney are yeah. horrible people. Well, um, <laughs> but I haven't actually watched them. I didn't know what the reason was behind it because. Yeah. So the yeah. reason was that, that analogy. She was, um, like, basically. Yeah. Giving her opinion on giving her opinion events. on like the worrying trend in in the U.S. right now, which is uh, if you don't agree with someone, you tend to uh, characterize them as either inhuman or as a evil person. Whether yeah. no matter which side of the political spectrum you're on, people you on categorize the, them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You throw them into buckets, and it becomes very easy to hate them for that mm. reason. Um, and she was pointing out that that's a worrying trend that did also happen in um in world war Two, so yeah to sorry, a more in the extreme extent yeah so th that was that was the thing that that pissed people off uh, though apparently she's landed on her feet um she's gained over three hundred thousand new social media <laughs> followers <laughs> um she's got a new movie deal like <laughs> this exactly like no publicity is bad publicity especially when you're in this level of like yeah every media is going to be covering this well, because every the word was mentioned. yeah every me so she's she's really capitalizing on the popularity now and i think it really helps that she didn't really do anything wrong like mm -hmm. she she stated an opinion something that if like a random soccer mom had said no one would have batted an eyelash at but because she was famous yeah. Um, people got offended about it. Yeah, and it's freedom of speech at the end of the day. Like, yeah, she can say whatever she wants to say. Granted, she has to accept the consequences. There's, but um, I think the consequences I, have ended up pretty well for her by the sounds of it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's yeah, it's annoying that it happened, and I think Disney is paying the price for it now in terms of public animosity. As if, like, Disney. Had, Disney's faceless like these days. It is, but the thing is, Disney as a corporation, they used to have a lot of goodwill. Like Disney movies used to be like the the highlight of of my childhood. Like watching the the Dis the animated mm -hmm. Disney movies. Um, and they still come out with some amazing films. They still do, but the problem is when once they took over Star Wars, like they they ran that series into the dirt. Yeah. Um. And, like, not necessarily because... So the, the first movie, again, was good, but kind of soulless. The second movie yeah. was just absolute horseshit. Um, I was just never taken by it, because the, the villains never win. Because they, they made it too family-friendly. Like, in the, yeah, in the bad new ones, ever happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's, so, like, the whole drama suspense is just gone. That I mean, that's, that's a good point. When... And that's a good point about storytelling in general. If your heroes are never challenged or threatened in any way, then what's the point? Like, you know, mm. you just, all right, they're going to win. You know, and they're going to win without much effort. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like a super basic rule of storytelling. Like, if, if you're playing a D&D &D campaign and you, your people never die or, like, never get wounded or anything... No one's gonna enjoy it, and you're gonna lose people real quickly. I know yeah. when um, when the first player died in my campaign, everyone was so shocked that they could actually die <laughs> that from that point on they took a whole new approach to playing the game. Well, uh, and there was um, 
need this is getting a little bit off topic here but I, the D D campaign yeah, that i'm still running um for uh, my cousins mm. um i was i was thinking like a few days or a few weeks back that like they, man they're, they're actually doing really good i'm not throwing enough challenges at them so i yeah. I, I tossed like a hard puzzle at them and uh the last time they played uh jake nearly got eaten by a snake oh shit so he was this he was this close to dying. Jake Jake's not character is not a small character. He's a no no big he's guy. oh yeah yeah he's he's their tank he's their tank and their damage dealer and he got grappled and almost eaten. Jesus. So I did something similar. I was like, um, I was set, setting them up because they rolled like a double one, like two ones in a row on a d twenty. By the way, we're um, this is this is now the new topic is uh, sorry. No, 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 go yeah. on. No, tell the story. It's actually I, I think it'd be interesting. So they're trying to follow some orc tracks, and yeah, there's three of them. Two of them rolled on that one, and so they're like, "Huh, oh, these must be the tracks," and they start following the tracks of an ogre. Oh boy! And only half the party was there. So there's only three of them as opposed to the normal five and a NPC who they normally walk around with at the moment. Yeah. Uh, they get to the cave, they peek in, they say, oh my god, there's a frickin' ogre coming at them. <laughs> they killed it in, like, two turns, because they got two nat 20s. I mean, that's and, the like, nature of luck, really I mean. Good rolls. They had shit yeah. luck that led them there, and they had great luck that got them out. Uh, th so they got, like, a fudge ton of XP, and, like, they instantly completed the... Th th that was meant to be the end boss of the mission, and they <laughs> killed it first. Um... <laughs> and so I was like, oh shit, I really need to step up, like, the challenge level on this. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, yeah. you're meant to, like, in D&D, &D, by the way, we, we, <laughs> talking about D&D, &D, and this is, this is why I was like, yeah, it's alright that we kind of went off on a tangent in this conversation. To, to use a phrase I haven't used in a while, we're just, you know, we're two guys having a conversation here, like, you know, <laughs> it's not... We're just two regular guys ticking off the bingo card, let's go. <laughs> God damn, that is a bingo square, isn't it? Yep. Oh my god. But yeah, so I mean that the, like in the early stages of D and D, you really do uh, want to treat your party with kid gloves. Like, yeah, nothing he, should be able to, to to TPK them or total party kill um, right off the bat. And even if something is, you know, they have the bad luck to have something like that happen, you should give them like one get out of jail free card. But what? Once they pass mm. like level uh, five, when they're in the the upper levels, then you can start taking the gloves off. Once they pass level ten, fucking throw the book at them. Oh, anyway, sorry. Just look, <laughs> but yeah, but last, uh, just final thoughts on that. Like, I think that a it's it's always bad when something like this happens. When it's always bad when somebody gets like fired or gets you know. They, they lose a job, they lose a career, they lose something, just because they had what, I mean, could be a, a, just a normal opinion. Even if it's a bad opinion, hmm. pe people should, like, engage with that opinion and go, like, you know, this is a stupid idea because of X, Y, and Z. Or, hey, you're a shitty person because of X, Y, and Z. You shouldn't be going after somebody's job. It really is the epitome of mixing politics with your work life like not the person who said it but yeah the people who um i was about to say own no i mean um, <laughs> the, the employer of the person well, is I was... showing how 
kind of neglectful they are of responsibility by letting their own views or political views or whatever um, affect affect the job. Like yeah. she could be a really amazing actress, and because they they don't like the way that she thinks outside of outside of work, work yeah, then they're punishing her and by logic than their own company. Yeah. It's it's not a good and but I mean that is an unfortunate fact of of modern day life. I was chatting with um uh Juan and and Raymond last night and yeah. while we were playing Apex and the two of the three of us all have different political views. Like we we sh we have a lot in common but we also have a lot of differences. We were kind of just marveling at the the fact that like in our like just with the three of us we're, we're actually able to debate and discuss and have sometimes very heated uh, like you know arguments about politics yeah. but it always ends with us like one of one of the other of us going like okay i can see that point of view okay i see where you're coming mm -hmm. from i don't necessarily agree or i do agree but we're, we're at the end of the day we're always we're still all friends yeah absolutely and like a lot of the first conversations you and I ever had were kind of um, <laughs> based around it. I, I don't want to give any details because I don't want to yeah. enforce our, our political beliefs upon the podcast. But um, yeah, we, we argued about everything at the beginning. Um, right. And we do still have very different views. Um, and we'll quite often bring them up from time to time. But uh, we, we... What we quite often do while having these debates um, is that we will find at the end a common ground that we both agree on and I think that's the most important thing yeah and it's it's one of the saddest things about the uh, like the modern landscape <coughs> is that fewer and fewer people um, not only feel comfortable you know th sorry uh, not only don't feel comfortable but oftentimes they they literally are afraid to have these kinds of debates. They they become like physically unpleasant. Um, and mm. oftentimes, you know, just like what happened with this woman, you know, they they they'll lose their job over you know <laughs> again just having an opinion. Yeah. Um, even if it's and again I, I say even if it's a shitty opinion, you should have the right to express it without fear of like you know a company or like a mob of random people on social media coming after you it, it i don't yeah i i've i'm not a i'm not a fan of it but i'm glad that i i did like her in the mandalorian um she was a character that i was i i didn't like in the first couple episodes she was in but as the series went on she actually became one of my favorites yeah um well by so, the sounds of it like even if uh, you kind of just saw her as a background character before. Maybe now because of the, I don't know, the, her outside of work uh, aspect, you might actually appreciate her roles even more now in future movies, and you'll look out for her name because you'll recognize it. Exactly. I mean, well, that's that's the ironic thing, is this, this hate mob that went after her actually mm. ended up pretty much making her career... <laughs> Yeah, I'll hopefully. I mean, I hope she's. Yeah, no, I hope she continues to go. I hope the movie that she's going to be in like goes off well, and I hope that yeah. you know her popularity. Like, I, I hope she, whatever her her dreams and aspirations are, I hope she achieves them. Because yeah, 
Um, I don't think she deserved the hate that she got, and I thought she was a pretty talented woman. Yeah. No. And I don't want the Mandalorian to, like, fall face first either. I, like, that, that the is, Mandalorian that's... is made up of millions of people, well, millions of people, <laughs> so many people, not yeah. just the one person that decided she had to get kicked. And th that's that's the thing. Like, and this this what didn't come from um, any. I don't know if it was necessarily any of the staff for the Mandalorian. I think it was you know from the executives in Disney that actually she got fired. Um, but again, none of the details are actually known. That that's mm. this is I'm I'm speaking when I say I think it was from the executives at Disney. This is all speculation. I need mm. to you know give that <laughs> that clarification. This is all speculation. All that we know for certain is that she said this, there was a mob on Twitter that came after her, um, and that she's no longer going to be in the series for whatever yep. reason. Um, I hope that the series continues to be good because I, I sang the praises of The Mandalorian. I think watching it was worth buying you know, a Disney Plus subscription alone. Um, mm. But we'll, we'll see what, what happens. I, all right. We're, we're kind of waffling on this one now, so yeah, I, let's, let's move on. <laughs> um, so the next topic I have is actually... It's also related to sort of movies and Disney, ironically. Um, and that was yeah. sort of like this... Uh, I, I was thinking this morning that we seem to kind of be in like... Because I was, I was re-watching uh, like an old series. Um, and... I was starting to think that we, we seem to be in kind of like a nostalgia culture right now. And I, I'm, I don't know if it's maybe just me, but I find increasingly myself watching old TV shows, watching old movies, um, playing older games that I enjoyed in the past. And, you know, I'll still, I'll still watch and play new things, but even some of the the best new games don't I, I don't match up. yeah they exactly I feel like they don't match up and I'm I'm wondering yeah. is it like am I just getting old or is this is this a more um, a more prominent thing and then I looked I actually did a little bit of you know googling <laughs> after I had this yeah. thought and I mean, some of the most popular shows on, like, Netflix and stuff are shows like The Office, which aired in 2005, or Friends, which aired in the 90s. Like, there's... Like, I think that might be indicative that it might be a wider spread thing, and um, mm. that's about well, as far as I took the thought, but just with that premise, I want to hear your, your thoughts. Okay, so... I, I when you started talking, I was thinking about like uh, games primarily. Yeah, I know there was a time around the time when I was playing a lot of CS:GO and a lot of Payday Two, where there was just no good content on Steam. Like nothing new was interesting. Uh, like the last interesting thing that came out kind of was like Hotline Miami Two, and even that was not as good as Hotline well, Miami One. Well, and even that was a sequel. Yeah, and uh, so like, I, I I just went back to playing old games for a very long time, um, and uh, I I think twenty twenty was actually a better year for games. I know mm -hmm. there were a lot of bad games that came out at that time. 
but there was a lot of interesting mechanics, new games. Um, but the classics will always be the classics, in the same way that when you think of 90s music, you think of all your favourite, awesome, super popular music. You yeah. don't remember all the absolute garbage that was there. That is a very good point, and something that I think, um, I remember this point being made to me years ago, thinking about like classic rock. Um, like, yeah, you think of like bands like Led Zeppelin, The Doors, mm. like they're at the Beatles, like they all they all stick around, but yeah, yeah, right at the time, there were tons of imitators and just garbage that were listened oh, yeah. to and forgotten. There were more than like three bands in the 80s, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so I that that's why I'm I, I was it was a topic that I was thinking about because I do find myself going back and you know, like you did with the games, you know, watching old movies. TV shows, reading old books that I've read mm. before. And whenever I try to find something new, it's rare for me to find... That's why The Expanse was such a treat for me, because it's something very new that, like, was just... It blew me away. I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like I had that reaction a lot more in the past. And I'm... I find myself, and at first I'm like, maybe it's nostalgia, but, so the, the the thing that started this was this morning when I woke up and I was making breakfast, I was watching an old episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. It's a show that aired in the late 80s and finished in the early 90s. I never watched it when it was on TV. I was alive when it was airing, but I never watched it. Um, it was a show that I never watched until 2015, actually. 2015 and 2016, I started watching it. And even then, it didn't really hook me. But once I got into it, probably 2017-ish, um, I blew through the whole thing on Netflix. And so, that is what made me think, well, maybe it isn't just me feeling nostalgic. Because I have no nostalgia for that show. I never watched Star Trek as a kid. I didn't give a crap about Star Trek. I thought it was for weird yeah. nerds. But then I watched it as an adult, and I... You were a weird nerd. <laughs> and I, I, I found myself, <laughs> oh my god, I am a weird nerd. <laughs> but I, I watched it, I watched it back, and even watching it now, I'm like, I'm really enjoying it. I, even with new shows that I'm watching now, mm. that I think are good, I don't have that same urge to go back and watch it again um does that does yeah. that make sense that was kind of a long-winded way to uh, come about absolutely. this topic but. and also i find that uh good memories or bad memories have a kind of inflation right yeah so uh you could remember a game being really fun and you're like oh man that was like the best game i ever played and, uh, and over the years, you will only, like, more and more think it's awesome. <laughs> Until it's not like the game actually is, like, after a long enough time. Yeah. Uh, as good as the game is, but, um, yeah, you, you kind of... So, there have been games that I've come back to after, like, I haven't played them since I was, like, seven years old, and I've come back to playing them as a 23, 24-year-old. Mm. And... I'm like, ah, God, I, I'm struggling to play it. 
Yeah. Granted, I, I, my tastes have changed over the years from a seven-year-old to a twenty-year-old. Yeah. But oh, when I was a seven-year-old, I could fucking clear Super Mario Bros. One on the NES. Now I yeah. like I tried playing it on the Switch, and I'm like, wow, I don't remember sucking this bad. Yeah, I, I was playing Army Men, and it's with the the directional pad keys, uh, and that alone <laughs> was enough to drive me crazy. <laughs> Um, but everything took a lot longer than in my memory. In my memory, it was just the action points. Like, oh, it's the blue spy, chase them down. Yeah. Uh, in reality, it's like, alright, I'm coming up to a cliff, lie down, throw a grenade, try and snipe the one guy that's on top of it, because he will kill you if you walk past there. Um, you know, that, that's an interesting thing, and, uh, you know, plugging the, um, the first episode of Filthy Casuals that went up. When we went back and we were playing the Sonic 3D Blast, yeah, both it, it's, it's weird what we it. both remembered. Like, because a lot of the we, we were forgetting a lot of the mechanics of yeah, the game, but, it came but back. both of us remembered that like, oh, there's a secret in this level. It's it's in one of these walls. You have to like yeah. roll up against it. <laughs> like, we remembered all these little clever like things about the map. Um, but when and I there actually, was, I actually watched another Sonic Blast video recently, and there's yeah. a just completely basic, plain-looking wall that you can break in the first level. I and I was like, knew it. it! I knew it! <laughs> oh my um, god. god. But no, no, thinking, thinking about that, though, there are some games like that, where you go back and it's like, oh god, how was I ever good at this? Or, mm. or like, why did I, you know, think it was this good? Um, to quote uh, the zero punctuation review of the original Deus Ex game, um, he 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 says in the video, um, uh, like, players who are big fans of this game will be very familiar with the first hour of it because they'll every now and again they'll get an urge to give it a replay, and then they'll start playing and go, go God, I don't remember it looking quite this much like ass. Right, and to an extent, I can I can get behind that opinion. But there are other mm. games, like the the Kotor series. I've probably beat both Knights of the Old Republic games about ten times each, Jeez. and they they do not necessarily hold up that well these days. Like they've got, oh god, the graphics are rough. You occasionally like glitch into barrels. Sometimes things don't load properly, and you have to go back three saves. Like it's. The, the the games are rough but the writing in them is so good the story is so good and the gameplay is just fun enough to keep you going from story to story absolutely and I think that's one of the primary things that sets old games apart from new games is that back in the day we had a lot less ability to make these beautiful looking games games did not look beautiful back in the day yeah so they had to put in some really good storytelling, really interesting mechanics, uh, which I feel like has become more of a fallen by the wayside. Graphics, yeah, graphics have almost become a crutch. And yeah. I think the same thought applies to movies. Because yeah. I think looking back at what, watching, you know, that Star Trek uh, series that I was talking about. They had a low budget, it was the late 80s, they couldn't do a whole lot with special effects, so they had to rely on the writing, on the interesting mm. plot lines, on, like, just the, the, the acting. Like, that had to shine, because they weren't going to have the big budget 
Um, even even what a big budget movie at the time was capable of. So the special effects weren't going to be there. And I think as a result, the show's a lot more... It has a lot more, like, heart and intrigue. And I just... I, I've watched some of the more recent Star Trek stuff. Specifically, like, the new Star Trek movies. I've seen all of those. And while they, they are good, they I think, just like with the graphics, with video games, I think they rely too much on spectacle. Yeah. And they don't have enough substance. Yeah, and I mean, we watched Alien 2, no, Aliens, sorry. Yeah, Alien. Uh, a couple well, days Alien. Ago. It, it's basically Alien 2, but yeah, Alien. Yeah, really intense film, really good film in my opinion, I love it. Um, mm. But CGI, when, when it gets the CGI, particularly around the spaceship and uh, the, the landing yeah. ship. And they had, um, but it was... It's kind of like a moment of, oh, well, they tried. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless your heart. But then they have to be like terrified in the next scene because like the cosmetics and like yeah. All right, well ugh. let's let's not get too deep into that because our media yes, segment is coming up next, so that we'll, we'll consider that a plug. Um, Spoiler, yes. Any uh, any final thoughts to to wrap us up because we are at the end of segment one. Uh, I don't know. Con- controversy and what was the other thing we mentioned? Nostalgia. Uh, hype. Controversy and hype. Oh yeah controversy and hype oh. oh man yeah just um yeah just a, a message to all you out there just you know chill take a fucking chill pill <laughs> like it's you know even if somebody says something that you find very unpleasant it's just mm. words like just let it pass Actually, don't chill get excited because excitement is always going to that's make a good point yeah don't don't be negative be hate. happy yeah be happy. Oh. Of everything. <laughs> <laughs> what's the, uh, what's that song? Don't worry. Be happy. Oh, yeah. That was it. I got it wrong. Fucking I was love just thinking song. of the, 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 the jellyfish from, um, Shark Tale. I haven't seen yeah, Shark Tale. Ernie and Bernie, man. <laughs> I have not seen Shark Tale. <gasps> oh, my God. You haven't seen Shark Tale. All right. I think I gave tragedy. Blue an idea for a movie night. Shit. All right. Amazing. Um,. All right, well, well, I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for listening. This is the end of segment one of the TMCJ podcast. Uh, If you keep listening, you will hear us again momentarily for segment two. Welcome back to the TMCJ. God damn it. I fucking knew you were going to do something. <laughs> Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. This is segment two, our media segment. <laughs> that um, and now you can speak, jackass. Yay! I was going for a high-powered entry. <laughs> That's what he said. <coughs> God damn it! Sorry. I'm taking a drink of tea. Oh my god, we have quite a bit of media to talk about um, this time around. (laughs) For one thing, we watched a movie uh, a while back and never talked about it. Uh, Yeah, we completely forgot last week. Or at least we think we did. Yeah, maybe we... No, no. I don't think we ever did talk about it. I don't think we ever did talk about it. So, I mean, well, (laughs) if we did talk about it, you people listening are in for a double whammy because... um, we watched Spaceballs. It was my pick uh, a week or so mm. back. 
and uh, I decided to go for the uh, the parody classic from the 80s. Um, Spaceballs being a giant uh, parody of basically 80s and sci-fi in general. So Star mm. Wars and... Primarily Star Wars. Primarily yeah. Star Wars, but there's there's little bits of uh, other sci-fi in there too, like Star Trek and, and whatnot. Alien and uh, all sorts. <laughs> also, just just quite a few... <laughs> a lot of cultural references too, which some of them, like... I didn't even get the first time I watched it because there are re cultural references from the 80s. Um, there yeah. Were, there, there were also a few uh, a few jokes that, to go back to our earlier segment, probably could not be made today without incurring the wrath of... Uh, Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that being said, um, God, it was two weeks ago now. Yeah. It was very interesting. I remember it being very funny. For the most part, there were some jokes that kind of went past me. Yeah. Um, and the costumes did kind of gross me out, but I don't know. It was it's one of the those best they had at the time, I guess. Yeah, and it was one of those like it was cheesy, um, low budget '80s special effects. Yeah. Oh yeah, the the, the special effects were meant to be bad. Like. Yeah. It was clearly made as a B-movie. Um, minus the attractive model. Um, <laughs> uh, I yeah, am your the, the... father's cousin's brother's former roommate. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of good jokes. <laughs> There's a few good lines in it, too. I, I really liked the the dark side, the Empire side of it, as it were. The space uh, I liked everything about that. like the the costume design, the jokes... Uh, how everyone was, like, related on the ship. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> who's the, who's he? He's an asshole, sir. It's like, yeah, I can see that, but what's his name? No, that is his name. Gunnery Sergeant Lieutenant Asshole. Or something like that. And and he's just like, how many assholes do I have on this ship? And everyone's like, yo-ho! <laughs> he's like, I knew it, I'm surrounded by assholes. God, you remember that quite clearly. Holy shit! I I've seen the movie a few times. Yeah. So I, I, I also tend to have um like, it, it's weird for like details, like hum people's names or like um. I don't know things like that. I tend to have a very imprecise and vague memory, but when it comes to like, um things that are visual, like movies, video games, um, at work technical specifications for machines, I have yeah. a very, very like crystal clear memory. Um, well, when relaying a, like, a, a visual memory, you can't really get it wrong, can you? When you're relaying yeah. words, it's very easy to trip up. Yeah, yeah, and maybe that that's what it is. But I I think I've said this before, but like when I think in my head, you know, like in a movie, the trope is like when people are thinking, um, they're they're hearing words in their head. I I don't like whenever I'm thinking um, to myself, it's all pictures. Yeah. I don't I don't think in words. I think in pictures. It's a shame you can't tell the difference between left and right. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. 
But I can very reliably, when I'm outside, immediately tell you which way is north, south, east, and west. Yeah. So much so that I remember back when we were playing PUBG, I'd purposely say the opposite direction to make you go the right direction. <laughs> I do. I get them. I get them backwards so often. All right, let's let's move on. We got a lot of media, so let's move on from we talking do. about how much of a dumbass I am to talking about <laughs> our next thing. Um, but no, in general, Spaceballs, I like... Sorry, one, one more thing that I found funny. The parody of the Force as the Schwartz. Um, yeah. The, the, the conflict at the end there when they, they make the lightsabers and they're kind of holding them by their crotch. The guy's like, yeah. Ah, Lone Star, I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in the fucking merchandising shop. Yeah. Spaceballs the lunchbox. Spaceballs the flamethrower. The kids love this the, one. It reminded me of the um, what is it? Life of Brian. Uh, the Monty Python where oh, yeah, yeah. during the song at the end, like we we've got CDs in the gift shop on the way out. <laughs> Some of us got to live too, you know. <laughs> Uh, Monty Python did yeah. some uh, some really good skits. Yeah, some groundbreaking stuff. Actually, but anyway, on to the God. Sorry, just on the subject of Monty Python. I know we've got a lot, but I, I want one one more quote. There's a um, a Monty Python's Flying Circus uh, skit mm. where they're they're making fun of like n newscasters, like just interviewing random people off the street to talk about whatever the relevant topic is and so they're they're interviewing a guy who's clearly very posh you know he's got like you know a, a nice hat on he's wearing a suit and he's got that very you know high kind of uh posh british accent and um he just goes like i don't even remember what they were it, this was completely unrelated to the question they were asking him but he's like well, I think that we should uh, exterminate the lower classes uh, for... No, I think we should kill the lower classes first uh, by destroying their homes with bombs and rockets and then, as they run screaming into the street, uh, mowing them down with machine gun fire. And I know my views are not popular, but I have never been a man who courts popularity. And it's... <laughs> And he, it's delivered with such just a deadpan, like, monotone yeah. that it just, it makes me laugh every time I see it. Uh, yeah, I, I, Monty Python's great. Mm. Anything is better with a good British accent. Ding. Yeah. How, how was that one, by the way? Did I did I do good with that accent? Yeah, it wasn't bad. I thought you were going to, like, put more of a hammy spin on it. No, I, I, tried, to, I tried to make it authentic. Uh, anyway. Mm. Alright, so do you want to talk to us about Aliens, the, uh, the movie well, we watched Well, I thought we were going to Sarah Millican first. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. We did do two things this week. Alright, go with that Yeah. Thing. So, we had a bit of a chill, uh, a super chill movie night at one point, because um, I think none of us were up for anything too intense. Yeah. I was getting over and cold. Yeah, so we watched this um, British comedian called Sarah Millican, and she is... She has a very niche... Uh, audience, should we say? Mm. Uh, and when I say niche, I don't mean like a small audience. I think a lot of people will find her funny, but, but a lot of people almost will equally all of her find jokes, her, you know, not. Yeah, surround her. All of her jokes surround a single kind of uh, trope. Uh, I, yeah, so it's mostly like 
particularly female body related jokes. Well, there's that, but there was also just a lot of like um I think a lot of her jokes and the ones that made me laugh the most were just around like normal everyday life. Yeah, she she does she when you when you look at her and when you hear her speak, you think this is a a, a person like like you or me, right? Yeah. They're not reveling in fancy glamour, even though they are a very famous comedian. They're not like a high Hollywood name. You expect to see them in Asda kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, walking around. Um, so it's kind of, it's a bit more refreshing to, to know that you're, I don't know, it's kind of inspiring. She has to, a very approachable air to her. Yeah, she's very mumsy. Yeah. Even though I imagine she would rather not have kids. <laughs> well, she she says that in one of her jokes that she doesn't want kids, but she does, she actually has, she has the air of, like, a lovable aunt. Yeah. Um, but no, very, very funny jokes, um, none of which we can repeat on here because <laughs> Yeah, because some YouTube. of them were kind of, kind of rough. Um, uh, but, I don't know, I, I, I found her very endearing, and I was surprised, because when... New comedians, especially God, especially these days, um, whenever I, I'm watching like a new comedian, they tend to be hit or miss. Because people are, when I say these days, I mean people are really terrified of telling jokes that are gonna like be controversial. Yeah. Um, but she completely sidestepped that because all of her jokes are just about like life, just everyday normal people doing silly shit. Yeah, and even then, a lot of the she's quite uh, self-deprecating in her humour and don't get me wrong, I don't think she's affected by it at all, I think she's one of these people uh, much like my friend who I'm perfectly happy with the way they are and they're happy to joke about it and I think that's a really good thing. Well yeah. Uh, and also it makes other people feel more comfortable because I mean there's nothing super controversial coming out of her mouth. Wait, and I, it comes down to like, I think I've always been of the philosophy that if you can't laugh at yourself, you know, you, you've got a problem. Like, mm -hmm. you know, either there, there's some sort of, like, you, you've got some, you know, personal shit you got to deal with or, or something. But if you can't see your own flaws and go, like, yeah, <laughs> that's totally it. Um, I mean, which it's one of the reasons that I, I, I refer to myself as a fucking angry dwarf. Mm. I'm not, like, I am short, but I'm not terribly short but I'm I'm comfortable being short and I, I know I know that I can lose my temper pretty easily but you know I I know that that's a flaw about myself and I can make fun of it yeah and I think that there's there's something very endearing about a person who is able to recognize their own obvious flaws and mm -hmm. make fun of them and she was very able to do that and she's made a career out of it <laughs> I Absolutely. like I think one of her jokes was like my agent's been trying to tell me that, you know, I can try, uh, I should try to branch out a little bit more. So at first, you know, he's like, oh, try acting. And I was pretty shit at it. <laughs> it was yeah. just like... Okay. Very matter of fact, yeah, yeah. It was, but that was that was her style, and it was, it was really good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's not like, so people think that, you know, you have to, I guess, sit through to the end of any comedy. If, if you're not enjoying... A comedy club thing, then you can walk out. It's not yeah. a freaking cool kids club meeting 
where they're like the the doors are locked and that kind of stuff. If you don't like it, leave. just leave. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the other thing that people don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't want to go back too much to the, what we were talking about earlier, but that that's something that I, I just don't understand. Um, mm. Like, people can't just... It's like there's a mute button. If somebody's being a jackass, mute them. Like, uh, yeah. I'm talking about online. And in real life, the equivalent of that is somebody's being a jackass, just leave. Mm. Um, uh. I mean, it, it, it doesn't apply to all situations, but if you're in that that one, you know, comedy club she says something you don't like you're welcome to go mm. um but no i i found myself like uh very entertained i was pleasantly surprised i may actually go back and listen to like more of her stuff because i i was uh you know yeah i, I mean I that was the third part of a trilogy i think it was because me and alicia have watched the other two and that's why we wanted to watch the third one with you yeah it was yeah. it was quite good um i was i was pleasantly mm. surprised yeah, I was brought to tears <laughs> in one of them. I think I told you the story already, but I was sat there with Alicia and her parents watching this, and some really immature joke came up, and I just started <laughs> giggling like a four-year-old. <laughs> but that's and, that's a sign oh, of so a really good comedian if they can if they can take people and just lip, like there, there are comedians yeah. that I'll listen to and I'll I'll chuckle and I'll be like, oh, that that was pretty good. But then there are like really good comedians where they they can do that, where yeah. where I am like I am breathless because I'm laughing so hard. I'm trying so hard to keep a straight face, and there's like a tear rolling down my face because yeah. I'm in front of two important adults in my life, <laughs> and so I can't be a complete tool bag. <laughs> Mostly, they found it funny as well. I, it was just no one found it quite as funny as I did, and I was very embarrassed. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, you, you have a lot more self-control than I do because <laughs> I did not. I lot. I failed terribly. I fucking. <laughs> I just kind of buried my face in the sofa at one point. Well, I mean, you, you, and well, anyone that's listened to this podcast have heard how I laugh, and it's. Uh, mm. it's oh, I love your laugh, though. It's so evil. <laughs> It's quite embarrassing to be with me in public when I find something funny. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows. Oh man, yesterday when we were playing um, Jackbox, because Alicia's got quite a unique laugh as well. Yeah. And so, I I always feel so good when I do like a particularly funny joke, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if they're gonna like, it. I don't know if they're gonna understand it or not. And then there's this like deep booming laugh of Kaiser. And this pixie-like laugh from Alicia. <laughs> it's like, it's oh. the funniest thing. <laughs> you struck gold. Uh, it's like, bam, hit it. And then I start laughing because you guys are just crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Alright. Oh, well, God. We, we, we've spent uh, quite a bit of time on that. Let's, let's God, move on to the other so movie, bad. which is not nearly as amusing. <sighs> yes, um... Aliens was my pick mm. for uh, that was my turn. I was gonna say for the week, but you know. Well, yeah, and considering we um, <coughs> we watched Alien the other day, uh, this yeah, the sequel. naming scheme is garbage. I hate it. So if Alien One is Alien, Aliens is Alien Two. 
the, the titling um, conventions. Yeah, it's just whatever. It completely changes the kind of horror that is in the first one, uh, in my opinion. It's gone from the kind of game where you have no weapons and you can't fight back, you have to just hide and run. Mm-hmm. Switches from that to but, I mean, you do have weapons and you have to use those weapons because there's like 50 times as many enemies. Yeah. Well, and, and the few enemies that constantly. exist, if they ever get, with, get close enough to you, you're yeah. Uh, even if you kill them, at close range, you're still fucked because they have acid blood and it just destroys you. Yeah. But I, going back to um, something that we discussed many podcasts ago, um, and I think we talked about briefly when we were talking about Alien, um, I can definitely see why watching, after watching this movie, why... Ripley is considered like the pe- the peak example of like how to write like strong women well in stories. Yeah, I know we keep bringing this up, but it is well, it's yeah. something that's I, I I bring it up more often now because it's something that is handled so poorly in modern movies. Hmm. Um, but that just might be poor writing quality in general. I, maybe I, like I'm I'm signaling out you know women unfairly, and it's just that writing in general is bad right now. But I think that regardless of her gender, um, Ripley is a character that is written extremely well. She has mm. a like a fabulous character arc. She's very human and relatable, and she gets shit done. Like when mm. when the like at the beginning of the movie she's very so I'm gonna uh, big spoilers I'm gonna I'm gonna do a quick plot synopsis you <laughs> fill in any gaps um, Good, that right. I happen to hit so it picks up from the last Alien movie where Ripley has they they somebody finds her shuttle and they they wake her back up and uh, bring her to a hospital that's in a station floating around Earth and they find out or sorry she finds out. That she's actually been asleep for 57 years because the ship had like missed and started drifting, and it was only sheer luck that a salvage ship managed to find her. Yeah. So while she, her and her cat, the cat did live. Uh, <laughs> while she's recovering, or once she recovers, she goes to talk to the the corporate people from the company that her ship was a part of, and after talking to them and kind of giving her account uh they don't believe her they don't believe that there was an alien they don't believe that there was any issues and then she finds out that they sent colonists to the planet where the alien egg was found and they've been there for 20 years already um, was it 20 years 20 years they yeah said. it was 20 yeah. years yeah yeah, yeah yeah so and they're they're terraforming it and they're gonna make a colony so then she immediately goes like oh god families you know all these people are gonna be dead um and a few days later, one of the corporate people comes to her and goes like, Hey, uh, we lost track of this colony. Um, yeah. Would you be willing to come along as a consultant with the, the contingent that's going there to find out what happened? And she immediately knows what happened. Like, the aliens hatch, you know, the colonists are probably dead. And she's still traumatized and having nightmares about all this shit. So she does not want to go. Um, but after, like, another night of having nightmares... She decides, no, I have to go. 
And yeah. so she calls the guy up and reluctantly agrees to go on the expedition as a consultant, staying back. The military people are the ones going in. Um, and it's very clear throughout these early scenes that she's still deeply traumatized by what happened. Oh, yeah. That, that scene at the beginning where it's, um, it doesn't tell you that it's a nightmare, but when she's like, kill me, basically. Yeah. That's very emotional. <laughs> it is. And they, they God, they Oof. do a very good job bringing that across throughout the, the early parts of the movie. Mm. But this is the point. Like, when shit hits the fan, and they, so they find out all the colonists have disappeared. They find them, and they find them in a nest of these aliens. And they've been used to breed more aliens. Most of them are dead. Um, and the ones that also aren't dead... Also, they find a living colonist. Sorry? What was uh, that? First off, they find the living colonist. Oh, that's true. They do find a little girl who uh, serves the role of the cat in this movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about it. <laughs> like, uh, she, but she she kind of hints at what happened there, and it it also this also gives Ripley another very humanizing moment because she's not just like because she she comes off very cold and robotic at times, but that's just because mm -hmm. she's a very when she's in work mode, kind of. Yeah, thing. she she has she has a very clear work mode, but it, it showed a very human side of her as she sort of like, you know, this little girl who has also been deeply traumatized. She has this moment of almost almost coming to terms with her own trauma by taking care of this little girl. Yeah, I mean, and, if you consider the fact that Ripley in the first film was absolutely like her mind was devastated by the fact that one alien killed five people. Yeah. Now we have a little girl who's had her family and, like, 50 other odd uh, members that she probably knew eaten, and then she's been alone on the space date, uh, on the Planet, yeah. moon base, whatever the fuck it's called, for... doesn't specify how long. Um, living in a garbage dump. Yeah. Well, it's it's the um, it, it led to quite a few uh, funny one-liners like that that attitude or that I found. Mm. Well, the first one being to reinforce what you said. There's a, a scene that uh, early on in the movie when they're just about to land on the planet, and Ripley is you know taking nervous drags on a cigarette while she's asked to brief the Marines on what she saw, and she's clearly you know shaky and traumatized, and she gets most of it out about how. Like, this alien has the acid blood, and it killed these people, and how it got on the ship in the first place. And the Marine, one of the Marines, uh, she gives, like, a cheesy one-liner, like, oh, you just need to point me in the direction, I'll shoot it, or something like that. Yeah. And then they, they do a few jokes, and then Ripley, like, stabilizes herself and just goes, are you done? Because one of these things killed my entire fucking crew in less than 24 hours. And it was just, like... It was like, holy shit, there's, like, the badass that, like... Because clearly she... This is what I mean about good writing. They managed to take a character, and without anything overt, they managed to show her as somebody who is capable and competent, cool under pressure, but also deeply affected when bad things happen to them. Hmm. And then at, at the top of it, also is capable of like genuine human compassion and kindness yeah like they, they there's so much nuance to it and i can see why she's held up as a shining example of like a really good protagonist and i think the um 
sorry, one one last, let's hold on to that Go. thought. The other one-liner that made me laugh was later in the movie uh, with the little girl. Um, they're talking about how they have to survive for like, you know, seven days or something like that. And um, the, one of the Marines starts panicking and Ripley is like, keep it together. Like, you're supposed to be highly trained. This little girl survived on her own with no weapons for longer than that. Hmm. And it was like, but she, again, the cool under pressure thing. Anyway, go on. What was your thought? I was going to say the, um, the, the Marine that survived. Yeah. Uh, he also really liked his character. And I, he was a lot like Ripley in many ways. Mm. Go on. Well, yeah, because he was a low-ranking guy, and when the, his higher-ups either got injured or killed, command fell to him. And there's this yeah. really cool moment where the corporate guy is urging them to, you know, not to wipe the aliens out, but to try and keep the facility and not destroy everything. And Ripley's like, you know, no, nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. And and then um, she reminds the corporate guy that, you know, the military guy's in charge. And the military guy then, or sorry, the corporate guy then appeals to him, the guy you're talking about, uh, Hicks no. or Higgs, I think. I think Higgs was the uh, coward, but I, I could be wrong. I, I think I think it's Hicks. Um, no, I think okay. the coward was somebody different. Um, the the game over, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Hicks. Yeah, th so I think it was Hicks, but the guy anyway, who ends yeah. up in charge. Um, he he looks at the corporate guy and goes like, "You're right. I am in charge." And you know what? I think we should go up, evacuate. And nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. He literally repeats Ripley's line word for word, and then just gives her like a nod. Mm. Like there's there's this kind of mutual understanding um, that's kind of formed at that point. And th this was after a fairly harrowing escape that happened. Um, also, whilst it's not at all so between that character and Ripley, there's no. I don't think they even hug at any point, right? Yeah, there's, there's no. But you can feel you a very feel real the need. chemistry. Yeah, that's something that I think is also that, that sets this apart. There's never a need for any of the characters to get into a kind of like relationship, right? No. Like a relationship. When I say relationship, I mean a sexual relationship. Yeah. Or an affectionate like they don't relationship, kiss but or anything. But by the end, you're like that is one hell of a power couple. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But it, it, but it's never anything overt. Like throughout the movie, those two characters, they definitely form a bond, but it's more like a camaraderie bond mm. than anything else. Like they just, they don't fall into the trap of like we have a male character and a female character kiss. Yeah. Um. It's uh, it's that they're they're really just, you know, like, she's a normal person who's been thrust into extraordinary circumstances. And he's a run-of-the-mill soldier who's just, you know, come into command. And they gain this level of mutual respect for each other mm. throughout the movie. And I think that's brilliant. Um, slight spoilers for you, Kaiser. Yeah. Uh, I think they do actually end up getting married. Do they? Well, I mean, but that's fine. If, if that's yeah, like yeah, a, no, a, a it, it further plot development. But they don't feel the need to shoehorn it into this movie. Absolutely. And it, it kind of fits. It makes sense, uh, as opposed to when they're less like, "Here's two hot people. Let's make them." Well, it's it's the same thing. Like, so my my 
my grandparents. My grandfather and grandmother uh, got married. My grandfather was a marine, and my grandmother was a nurse. Like, mm. in situations like that, you know, uh, that that sort of stuff does happen, and it develops. Yeah. But it just makes sense. Kinda. They they don't make it unnatural in the movie, and that that was my point. And in this movie, you know, they they're not distracting themselves like that. They know that they're in a serious situation. <laughs> Sorry. God damn it. <laughs> Gesundheit. I probably maxed the mic. But they they don't make it a focal point. It's not like, oh god, we're all gonna die in five hours. Let's fuck. No, it's Yeah. They they yeah. they handle it very well and If anything, with the way that um the character Newt is uh handled um Ripley is very motherly. She is. I think is a fair description. In, in the, um, but motherly in the sense of like, um, like a mother bear defending her cubs. Yeah, kind of very thing. protective. Um, like the when they're in the, she goes over to, like, see if Newt's all right there under the bed. Uh, she's looking after her, and then it's like, hang on a second, something's not right. By the way, that scene is a brilliant scene in my oh opinion. Oh my god. The betrayal. There are the, like, the so, realization. Oh, god. There, there are so many moments. That scene is a perfect example. There are so many moments where they they pull off brilliantly the the writing technique of of showing and not telling. Hmm. They don't tell the audience what happened. They show them. She where's the gun go? You know, yeah, why is exactly. the thing overturned? How does over right. there? Why is the door locked? But it's all shown. It's not a jump scare. It's a creeping horror that you're like, oh shit. While I was asleep, was somebody tanks. fucked us over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God, it was good. And then, of course, the uh, the payback later when he, the asshole, runs into a room with an alien in. Yeah. And well, gets... he tries to lock the rest of them out. Um, I, I do yeah. want to point out something interesting about the scene just before he locks them out. Um, when they're they're fighting the aliens in that room, so Ripley like she's just a a ship like a flight officer right for a civilian ship. She's not yeah. like familiar with army weapons or anything like that. Not at all. So handed a state of the art like assault rifle. Um, mm. you know, Hicks teaches her how to use it, but that's all in theory. She never actually fires it because they have limited ammo. That, that scene when she first starts firing at the aliens, and I thought this was a brilliant piece of just, like, again, showing and not telling. She doesn't immediately, like, become competent with the rifle. Like, even though he's shown her how to use it, she knows how to fire it. When she fires it, she loses control. The rifle, like, goes up. The recoil, like, knocks her back into a box. Like, she's... Yeah. It, it's... I, I loved it how sense. they did that. It, exactly. It, that's how a real person who's never handled a firearm before, like, especially a, like a state-of-the-art rifle, would react mm. if they kind of knew in theory, but never... I, I know the first time I fired a shotgun, I bruised my shoulder because I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. prepared for the recoil. Yeah. I knew in and theory, I mean, but... Also, she, was, she wasn't, like, doing carefully aimed shots or anything. She was firing from a hip Arnie style. Yeah, exactly. And that's not <laughs> the way you want to handle a... a they said it was a 10 millimeter rifle. That's a lot of powder yeah. behind a... 10 millimeters is a big-ass slug. Yeah, I assume it was, like, uh, kind of Space Marine-esque weapons where it, it's actually, it like, small missiles that they're firing. For, 
for for reference uh, and for those that don't know, the the largest caliber round in measured in millimeters right now is a nine millimeter round. Um. So, in most assault rifles, the highest power assault rifle round that I can think of is a seven six two. So seven point six two millimeter. Yeah. Um, and that's usually things like um, you know, Kalashnikovs or AK forty sevens. Yeah. So. 10 millimeter is a fucking huge round. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's basically a grenade launcher at that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did say it did have a 30 millimeter grena grenade launcher in the true. bottom of the thing. Of course, leave it to me to pay attention to the weapon specs. Yeah, and oh god, it, it was a bit uffy how she, like, duct taped two weapons together. But, I, even that part, like, it was a bit cheesy, but... I loved the... They, they, again, they did a lot of, like, characterization here. She didn't go in there and suddenly become a, like, a tactical genius. She was panicking yeah. and firing the flamethrower randomly, just out of, oh. like, panic around yeah, the Yeah, when she initially got down there, she was super, like, on edge. and She was just shooting everything that could be a thing. And, and that it, kind yeah. of set off the enemies. Yeah, and it, it felt... It felt like, okay, this is what a real person would be like if they were... Yeah. If they were stuck in this situation, she's I, panicked but determined to try and save the little girl. I was genuinely worried. I mean, okay, so I've already seen the film before, so I don't know why I was worried. But she was firing this flamethrower off, and also looking at the sensor, and it was like, you are three meters from the little girl. She's firing off the flamethrower everywhere. Yep. <laughs> yep. I'm like, yep. what are you doing? Well, You're gonna burn the girl. Was... One thing I was worried about was when she killed the alien there, I'm like, the acid blood, it might get on the girl! Yeah. Go. So, there were all these, like, very, very tense moments in it. Even if you kind mm. of knew what was coming. And, like, I could have predicted how that scene was going to go. Yeah. Because I figured they weren't going to kill the little girl. Um, uh, to, to, for reference, for again, this is a huge spoilers. We've, we've been spoiling this whole time. But the little girl gets taken in one scene by the aliens, but not killed. Because yeah, they leave they the do picture is... on the floating doll's head. Yeah, yeah. And and so um, Ripley goes down to save the little girl. And honestly, when I saw the floating doll's head, I was like, holy shit, they actually killed the little girl. Right? Like, that could have... Again, it was one of those things where I can't remember the details of the movie. So I was like, wait, did she not get out alive with them? Yeah, so it was... Um... The, the movie is very... Ten it's the kind of horror that I like. Where it's yeah. it's very psychological and it's very atmospheric. It's the kind of yeah, horror the that actually affects me. I like horror movies that are like supernatural shit and monsters and like murders and things like that. I'll watch them, but they don't get to me. Like, I don't give a crap. Hmm. This it's was not a movie... the jump scare kind. Yeah, yeah. This, this was a movie that really got to me. Like, I, there were... There were I was genuinely tense watching this movie. And that doesn't happen to me with many movies. No. And, okay, it's, it is a horror, but it's not one that I was scared of as such. Like, yeah, I was absolutely tense, and I was well, on the I, edge of my seat I the whole time, which is what you want. Th that's that's the point I'm, I was trying to make. I wasn't scared at any point, but I was no. tense. They, they didn't go much into, like, it's it's not a visceral film, yeah. I wouldn't say. Well, but that's the thing. Like, like even visceral horror, horror, it's that that's more just um, that just makes me 
uh, nauseous. Yeah, it makes me feel unwell, and so I don't want to watch the thing anymore. I yeah. want to watch a good scary film. <laughs> yeah. So it's just it's so psychological horror and like this sort of like um, tense and um, God, they do yeah. such a good job with it. I especially anyway. with the shadows and like the silhouettes of the creature, because everyone knows what the silhouette looks like with the big spiny tail and such. Well, and they do so a very the... good job. The, the the creatures are only ever shown very briefly on screen for the most mm. part. Um. Yeah, there's a climactic scene where one of them is is shown in in full light. I think that kind of works yeah, like I said, them. that was kind of my least favorite fight of them. Yeah, but the mm. um, but with the uh, like for the most part, because they're always cloaked in shadow and they're only shown for a brief time, that adds to the tension and it adds to the the, the whole like feel of everything. Absolutely. Like, um, do oh. you remember? I'm sure you remember this. Uh, Doctor Who, David Tennant, the Vashta Narada. Yes, that is the episode in the the library in space. The Vashta where... Narada, yeah, the, the yeah the ones where, if in the shadows they they just eat yeah. you and you're down to a skeleton. Completely invisible enemy, like you don't see the actual monster at any point. And then, but like, you know it's there. Yeah, and then you've got the person who like they got into their suit and they die in and there. And they're controlling and a person, like, yeah. And then it's just like their, their voice, like their last words repeated, yeah, yeah, repeated over and over again. That, oh, that's a very not lights. quick a quick synopsis of that episode because I know that too often we we do kind of just we both mm. know it so we don't talk about what what we're actually talking about. But in Doctor Who, one of the the in the new seas, series in one of the uh, older seasons, there was an episode where they go to a library. It was like a galactic library in the future, and it's completely empty. And they find another team who's there, basically as archaeologists, to find why the library went dark. Mm. And what it turns out as is there is this tiny parasite that it it basically is just like a cloud of dark things, and they consume any meat, and they hide in the shadows. They're a nocturnal predator, so they can't go into the shadows because any of the shadows might actually be these predators. So. And it's also the first and technically last episode of River Song. Yeah, that's true. The River um, Song arc was actually one that I, I really enjoyed. Oh, it was brilliant. I mean, it got a bit patchy at the end, but... Yeah, yeah, near the end, I, you could tell that they were trying to figure out how to wrap it up. Um, yeah, with the whole Nazis... Oh, shit, I said the word. <laughs> oh, whatever. Yeah. Um, Fuck killing, off YouTube. Killing Hotler. Um, <laughs> and her being like evil all of a sudden and stuff like that. I kind of lost interest at that point. But in the early stages and the mid stages, really good character design. Alright. Uh, we've completely gone off topic. We, and we have we're way gone off time. topic and we are, we are way <laughs> over. And I still have more to talk about. We'll we've only gone through half of the media. Three. Yeah, we'll talk about that in segment three, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is our this is our fuck. We have nothing prepared this week. Uh, segment three. So, um, I think we'll we'll get into that there. I for uh, little things. I've I finished the available seasons of the Expanse. There are more um, being filmed that aren't released yet. And I also got back to Vikings. And then there's just some random crap that I want to talk about. I assume you have similar uh, similar things as well. 
I've got some random game crap to talk about. Yeah. Okay. So we'll we'll save that for our segment three because we have gone on for way too long in segment two. Um, mm. But yeah, I'm gonna close this out there. Uh, thank you all for listening. This has been segment two of the TMCJ podcast. Listen, and you will hear us again for segment three. Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. We are on segment three, our wild card, uh, which this week is very wild indeed because we have absolutely nothing planned for it. Well, I mean, compared to our normal wild card, I think this is pretty fairly <laughs> tame. It's not oh, like God, we've got yeah, dinosaur yeah. fudging. Yeah, yeah. Last uh, last year or last year, last well, week yeah. was uh, a much more wild wild card. It was, but um. Yeah, uh, the, the the finale, Kaiser. You've been watching um, the oh Expanse. Oh my god! Yes, you I, sound excited about it. I'm guessing it went well. Oh my god, I I was shocked, and I brought this up in an earlier segment. I was shocked, <laughs> and this is this is something that doesn't. When I was talking about nostalgia, this is something that just modern TV shows and media has not been able to do for me in quite a while. Like, I was shocked that I was enjoying it so much and that I enjoyed it the entire way through like it didn't taper off it didn't get weird it just I mean, it did get a little bit boring after the first couple seasons no what I said was season four was a deviation and it was less interesting than the other ones but season okay. five they get right back to it oh no I was thinking of true blood sorry yeah you're thinking of true blood yeah, yeah, yeah. but in terms of the way it went like season one fucking banger loved it season two amazing loved it season three more of the same season four they go in a, in a different direction they took an experiment they, they they went off the beaten path a little bit still excellent writing still excellent acting still excellent sci-fi but as good as the previous sorry as good as the previous season season four it was season four as good as season three no. Even though it went in a different direction. Okay. I, I think that going in that new direction actually hurt them. Um, okay. But I think that they they saw that and they pivoted because season five, right back to it. Season five, nice. excellent season. I actually liked season five better than the previous seasons. Like, it, it was just... Really? Is it the best season? I think season five may have been their best. I'm... I'm I'm maybe hesitant to say that. I'm trying to think back. Um, it's a close contest between season three and season five. I'll say that. Because that's very rare to it, have like an ending season be the best. I know, right? That's what, again, that's why this show continued to shock me. Season five, I think, is a, it's a close contest between season three and season five in my mind, which one is the best. Right. But both were excellent. Um... It, and even then, like, if I'm putting, I'm ranking them, like, season one and two are still pretty close. Season four is the worst, but even as the worst one, it's leagues ahead of most other sci-fi that I've seen. So, I, it's just, yeah, I loved it. So, one of the things, to, to get into some more meaty details... Season 4, the reason that it kind of went off the rails a little bit was because they focused on um, 
a, a small like interpersonal conflict on an exoplanet. Um, so they're they've by season four they've managed to get away from Earth and they've managed to uh, start to look into colonizing other planets. And I won't spoil how they get away from Earth, but it happened, and it's directly related to some of the events that happen in Season uh, 3. Yeah. So they manage to get to this exoplanet, and, you know, immediately tensions flare up between, like, an Earth corporation that's been sent there and given legal rights to colonize the place, and a bunch of people who live out in the, the, out, the belters, as they're called, as- people from the asteroid belt. Um, who have essentially gone there and made a homestead already. And so there's a conflict that happens between these two groups, and the main characters are sent there by one of the key political operatives. I think I've mentioned her before. Uh, Her name is uh, Christian Abisarala, and she is one of the best characters, I think, in this entire series. She's such a fucking, like, badass... But not like an action hero badass. She is a political powerhouse. Um, and I, she's I, a diplomat. She's a she's she's a diplomat on steroids. Like she is a shrewd and clever political operative. And the the actress who plays her does an outstanding job. Um, but she sends the main characters there, kind of as an independent contractor to try and resolve the situation. And, you know, shit gets all kinds of fucked up on the planet, and the conflict escalates, and there's a big crescendo at the end of the, the season. Um, but it, most of the story, there's a, li- there's a little bits where they, they talk about what's happening back in the solar system and back between Earth and Mars and that politics and how that's evolving. But the focus is on that exoplanet and that core group of individuals there, which... Yeah. While interesting, I think it loses something that really appealed to me about the rest of the series, and that was seeing the the complex, like future, complex and well developed future politics alongside the the interesting character drama. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I hate to bring it up for a third segment in a row, but um. This planet have any xenomorphs on it? Because <laughs> uh, that's the first thing I thought of when you brought it up. <laughs> it has alien technology, but it does not have aliens. Oh. So See. really, the the issue with the planet, and they they make a point of this in the series. Um, this is this is a bit of a spoiler, but not much of one. Is that um, they they have scientists with them, and the scientists discover that the planet's biosphere has essentially been reset in the last, like, billion years. So the planet is, like, a few billion years old, but it looks like all life on the planet was wiped out at one point and then started to regrow again. So it's like a primordial ooze kind of environment where you've just got, like, bacteria and fungus and moss and no complex life forms. Um, I see. The the problems that are caused on the planet are caused by the alien technology that's still there. That's accidentally reactivated. Right, and what kind of problems does it come up? Oh, um... 
complete destruction of shuttles sent to rescue them, uh, earthquakes, typhoons, um, terraforming robots that go amok and nearly destroy a, a town, like... The, yeah, pretty catastrophic <laughs> ones. Okay. Like, apocalyptic-level uh, stuff. And so, that, when you say it blew up, like, the rescue ships, right? That, yeah. Would you compare that to, like... You, you've played um, that water game, haven't you? Water game? Uh, uh, Mass loved it. Raft? No, the one where you go under the water. And oh, we need to go basin. deeper? No. <laughs> oh my god, how have I forgotten this game? Subnautica? No. Subnautica. When, uh... Sorry, I just maxed. Um... The you played to the point where like the shuttle gets shot out of the sky, right? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, okay. Well, sorry. <laughs> it's it's fine. <laughs> I, I don't mind spoilers for that. I'm I'm eventually gonna go back to that game, but I'm not now. Underwater so shit you creeps come me across out. A big like a big monolithic esque building. Mm. It's like black and green data lines all over it, and a ship is coming to save you. And this is a big spoiler. Do you want me to just stop talking? No, no. Go ahead. Spoiler for me. Okay. Um, maybe it'll and, get, me, get me interested enough to go back and play the game. Yeah, well, it's it's immediately before a big uh, reveal as to a whole bunch of things. But yes, this massive monolithic building, suddenly you can see the ship coming to rescue you, and this massive building starts moving and changing, and this giant fucking, like, Gauss cannon rises out of it and blows the sh rescue ship out of the sky. It's not that explicit, um, but okay. yes, that is what happens. There's a giant monolithic building, it's alien technology that gets reactivated, and it's implied that on one of the moons there's something that will actually fire uh, down at the planet, and it essentially erects a barricade around the planet, and so when the, cr the shuttle crosses that barricade, it just gets disintegrated by something on one of the moons. Right, it's like a barrier thing, okay. Yeah. Well, So the aliens are very high-tech compared to Exactly. The they're, they're like, it goes back to that, um, uh, what, what's the phrase? I don't remember what this, what this quote is from exactly. It was from either um, a scientist or a philosopher. The, the quote is, any sufficiently advanced alien technology will appear as magic. Hmm. So, like, for instance, if we went back to the medieval times and showed them a smartphone, it would be magic. We'd have a magic tablet in our hands that, that has yeah. changing pictures and shapes and produces light. Um, and so if we were to go, like, take someone from our era and go far into the future where we have future technology, then looked at their technology, it would appear almost as magic to us. Yeah. Because it's so far beyond our current understanding, so th that's and that the the show does a very good job of doing a lot of the times in sci-fi when uh, a human civilization is coming into contact with something far more advanced than them, they don't do a very good job of like making them really feel alien, like. Yeah, I mean, in Star Trek, they seem to just bang them all, don't they? <laughs> I mean, that, you're thinking of Kirk, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of, like, uh, Stargate. Uh, Stargate SG-1 and stuff. It's all technology that 
while highly advanced, it, people are able to comprehend it. Like, even the audience, like, it's dumbed down enough that you can sort of understand it. But yeah. with this one, the alien technology is so far advanced, and the show does a good job of portraying it as so far advanced that you can't even begin to speculate how they're doing half of the things that they're doing. But it is very clearly technological. They sort of imply how things could be getting done, but it, it, it's implied in the sense that it's not the, the lazy sense, like the, the technology works in mysterious ways. It's more like the way they're describing it is the limits of the human characters in the story's ability to understand how it is. Yeah, there are, there are aspects of it like, maybe even small aspects. Like, uh, a single concept that we can't understand is enough to make an entire invention obsolete to us. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, ha being able to draw energy from just the air. Like, right. that singular thing would make it impossible for us to recreate that thing. Yeah, exactly. If we did not know how that draw happened, or, you know... Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's just a, it's a very... It again speaks to something that I have said repeatedly every single time I've talked about this show. The writing is brilliant. The writing mm. is absolutely brilliant. And, like, they don't fall into the traps of having characters do random things just to make the plot move forward. Like, every single piece of, like, the plot is logical and consistent, and it... it it all works together like just a, a beautifully well-oiled machine and it's it's a joy to watch if you like sci-fi specifically if you like like hard sci-fi and you like like character drama and you like fuck if you just like good stories watch this show it's so i cannot sing its praises enough season six is supposed to be the finale for this arc but they're talking about doing more extended universe stuff but season six is supposed to be the end. Season six comes out later this year, and I cannot. Probably wait for it. only in America, knowing what it's like. <laughs> What's well, an no? It's an Amazon Prime original, so um, it should come out everywhere that Amazon is. Okay. <coughs> this isn't a BBC thing. They're not going to hold on to it. Okay. Um, doubt. <laughs> <laughs> They'll find a way to there. screw us. Um, all right. Yeah, but but that's it. I've just. Cannot sing his praises enough. Loved the show so far. I cannot wait. This is the first thing in a long... This is the first TV show in a long time that I literally cannot wait until they uh, they come out with the next season. Damn. Well, I'll uh, appreciate the time when you're... While, while there isn't an episode of that for you to watch, that I'll be able to see you a bit more. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did kind of vanish for a couple weeks while I was watching that. Uh, happens. Um, so... Uh, moving along. We have been playing a raft of new games this last week. Mm -hmm. Some of them will uh, show up on the YouTube channel. Indeed. Well, that's why one of them I was going to talk about. I didn't actually remember it before we started this episode, but we have gotten kind of back into Minecraft. <laughs> uh, briefly. There's, we got our own little server, and it's pretty much just the two of us on there at the moment. I think 
someone else drop on did Jake drop on briefly or not? Uh, he he dropped into the the Discord channel, but he didn't actually join the server. I, uh, I'm, I'm not sure okay. if he had the 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 um what is it? The IP. Yeah, I don't think he had the IP for the server. I may have to send that yeah. to him or check with him. Yeah, I don't actually remember him being on the. Server yeah, I don't. At any I don't point. think he ever did actually end up joining. Huh. I've also been like, Alicia, do you want to join? But she doesn't have Minecraft, so. Uh, I'm see. I'm still remembering back. So I've been playing Minecraft since it was since I was in college, and back then it was yeah. like pre-alpha. You could get it for free. Um. Mm. Just because they were looking for people to test it, so I've I've had Minecraft since Minecraft existed. Yeah, when I used to, I used to play when I was very, 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 very young, and basically the extent of it was Actually, like make well, a cool base, make a water slide, and try and kill. Let's know the Ender Dragon wasn't around then. To be, um, yeah, yeah, that was something. Patch. Before we go too far into talking about Minecraft, I feel like for those that don't know anything about it, I should explain. Everyone knows what Minecraft is, mate. Uh, well, I don't know. There's a few boomers that listen to this. Um, so oh. there's so Minecraft is a PC game where you are essentially put into a just I don't know very very pixelated rendition of the world, and it's essentially the world is made up of these just blocks. The, the world before it was inhabited. Yeah. And so you can go on, you can mine blocks, there's blocks of dirt, blocks of stone, blocks of iron that you can then smelt into iron bricks, and you can make armor and tools and swords and things. And it's essentially just an open, a fully open door. You can do what you want. Like, you can walk in, and all you can do is go off and kill monsters and gather bits to make potions. You can dig a hole into the center of the earth and find rare gems. You can build yourself a nice country home and raise cows and horses. Um, you can make a pet shop. You do that too. And so we have a server running where uh, previously quite a few uh, of our friends were all playing. And there's there's still like all the houses and stuff there. Um, mm. Quite a fun game. Uh, but it's something that you definitely need to give yourself a purpose in. It's not something that... It's not a game that tells you what to do. It's a game that goes like, here's a world. Do what you want. Oh, um, something you're not aware of just yet, but uh, I was in my hole the other day, my Minecraft hole. Yeah, he he dug like a ten-story pit into the earth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like a quarry. It it doesn't sound very nice when someone says, "Oh, I'm making a quarry," because I mean, quarry's not generally that glamorous. But um, hopefully, by the end, it'll look really pretty because I have plans for it. Meanwhile, um, I'm making a cabin and a horse ranch. And as I dig down, I'm, there's like um, a series of like bats have spawned, and the bats have really happy faces. Um, <laughs> there was a new addition to uh, the pit crew, as yeah. I'm calling them, uh, yesterday. Uh, there's a little baby slime. Oh my god. And he follows me around. He can't hurt me. He just has like a little happy face, and he blobs around behind me while I mine. So I this is maybe a little fucked up, but... If you ever find, like, adult slimes, we need slime to make sticky pistons. Yeah, I know we do, but it wasn't an adult one, it was a baby one. And okay. Alicia was watching, so I was not about to kill it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we, I, I have been looking for that. Again, materials in the game. Some materials are rarer than others. <clears throat> uh, slime being one of them, because slime can be used to make pistons that yeah, stick to things, which are used to make um, different... 
You can make complex machinery in the game, too, using redstone as wiring. It's a game that is simple on the surface, but with surprising depth. Yeah. And it can be really quite challenging. Like, without having a, a difficulty slider, which, don't get me wrong, it does have a difficulty slider where you can choose easy, medium, hard. Yeah. Just changes the enemy's aggressiveness. Um, it can be easy in that you just spend your whole time on the overworld building fun things and it looking really nice. Or you can go to, like, the nether. Or the end, where a lot more tough enemies, a lot higher chance to die, but you get a lot more rare and yeah. interesting loot. And for reference, the nether essentially just being hell. Mm. But, like, to, to, to show that we kind of... Um, you can play it any way you want. We've had that server up for, like... We've been playing on that server for months... Yeah, and, I think like, I, I and to to have something to do during the quarantine. I I made that server back in March or April, probably April yeah. or May actually, um, and we played it pretty actively for a while, and then it kind of was left. But the server still exists. But I was just saying that like we we've barely gone to the Nether, and we have not at all gone towards the end. Oh God no! <laughs> and meanwhile, like, we could have done that day one, but <laughs> I've eh. made like a. Like a, a tiny little network of minecart tracks that, like, so you, I can I, essentially an automated taxi service between my areas. I've built a villa on top of a mountain. I'm now building a horse ranch. Um, I've got a uh, like a, a strip mine that goes deep down into the earth where I find quite a bit of diamond. Yep, I got a very fancy like house on a hill not too far away yeah, with which... uh, a little port next to it. I, I may or may not have defaced your bedroom. Yes, you put a very rude sign above my bed. <laughs> uh, and then I kind of moved on to another project. Um, and everyone's got kind of these weird little projects all about the server. It just and gives it some character. That That's something that's very fun about the game. When, when the game really does take on a new depth when you have a few people playing it. Yeah. Because you start to see all these... Like, you log in and you're working on your project and you go like, oh, let's see what everyone else is doing. And it's like, holy shit, this guy made a garden. Holy shit, this guy made a giant flaming penis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew where you'd go with that and I was gonna cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> but there's... Um, um, yeah, there's there's quite a few... Uh, quite a few interesting things. And when, when you do populate the server with... Um, a lot of different people, they do tend to like surprise you. you, you like yeah. you, you, you see a creative side to your friends too that yeah, sometimes you don't always see. It... Some of Kevin's builds were really quite impressive. Like as you know, his like little peace garden thing. Oh yeah, yeah, he has like hedges this beautiful like you know um, Zen really garden nice. thing going on. Yeah. Also, he's got like a multi-story car park, but. Where you think of the different floors, it's all, like, farmland, so it's, like, a multi-story... Like, on the bottom level, there's wheat, and then there's potatoes, and then there's carrots on top. Well, and then you've got, like, Duncan's house, which is, um... It's very minimalist, but... <gasps> but when you actually go through it, it's, like... Every inch of it, like, serves a purpose. Yeah. It, it's... And it, it, it looks... Good. It, from it like a, nice. yeah. from a utilitarian perspective, like it's it's like a perfect house. Um, it's a studio. Yeah. 
it's all one room. But uh, I thought you were going to say Scott's house, and I was like, Ooh, well, yeah, that's Scott's very house minimal. is literally just <laughs> it's just four stone walls and a hole in the ground. Is it even stone? I thought it was dirt. No, I well, I think he used just whatever he had in his inventory. But again, going back to my, my earlier from. metaphor, uh, Scott being the the person who just goes off and adventures all the time. He's not really concerned. Yeah, he likes digging. Yeah, his base is just a place for him to drop off what he finds when he's out adventuring. Oh, of course Jake has a base on the server. He's got the parrot thing That's in the That's true, he does. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah, Jake made an underground base in the jungle. Mm. I mean, sorry, a super secret thing that we don't know about. <clears throat> uh, yeah, and, uh, it's a bit of God. a pilgrimage to get there, but yeah, it really is. Christ, like it's fun enough getting to Scots, but getting to Jake's is even further. It really is. Um, mind you, we did build our bases quite close to spawn, and everyone else went off. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I, mean, I feel like that's their fault. What, to be fair. <laughs> Like, it's it's my server. I wanted to build my base <laughs> near the spawn. There's a reason that my, my villa, like, overlooks the cliff face that sees the spawn. Yeah, you really need a better way of getting down from your base, though, because the number of times I have to risk my life just trying to leave your base. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, but anyway, well, moving on to the next. Mine, there's a minecart. All right, fine. Yeah, we, we have dwelled on this for quite a bit. Um, next. The, the next game I was going to say that I've been playing recently is um, a game called Rogue Legacy 2. Now, the first original Rogue Legacy was on the PS3. Really good game. Uh, randomly generated dungeons, very nice pixely art style, and it's a, it was it's one a that... It's a 2D kind of side-scrolling thing, right? Yeah. Okay. M much, like, much like Hades, it has, um, as we were discussing like on a previous day, it's the kind of game where you could jump on it and play for five minutes and be done. But, you play it for five minutes and then you're like, ah, just another five minutes. And you end up playing it for hours. Um, now, like I said, Rogue Legacy 2 has come out. It's still not in full release, so there are aspects of it that haven't been finished yet. But, they've changed it from a pixel animation game to a cartoony kind of vector graphic style. And... I gotta say, I do I do prefer the pixely. Um, also, uh, before the randomly generated rooms, they're split up into four segments, right? There was the starting area, the second segment, the third, and the fourth. Second segment was if you went far enough east, third was north, fourth was west. If you weren't prepared for the segments, chances are you would die. Unless you're like an incredibly talented speedrunner. Yeah. Um, and they all have bosses, uh, and that kind of thing. This game, uh, you go in, and the first segment's there, and granted I haven't defeated the first boss yet, so I don't know what will happen after that, but if you go far enough east, it doesn't take you to the second land, it takes you to a one, like, particular room, which is challenging, but it's not an entirely different segment, it's a single room. The same with if you go north, and if you go west, there's a work-in-progress room. Um, so, I really hope that they are going to add more to it, because it seems like a step down from what they did in the first game, which is not the direction it should be going. Um, that being said, one of the reasons I love it, uh, the mechanics of the game is that every time you die, your uh, heir to the throne kind of thing takes their place. 
and the heirs have different traits, some of them are good, some of them are bad, um, and it really does mix the game up just in a fun little way, like, one of the traits is vegan, right? So you can't eat any food, I mean, you can't get any HP back, but because of it's a negative trait, and it's not a negative trait in real life, I'm not yeah. saying... No, come on, it is a thing. negative trait in real life. <laughs> um... But you Vegetarian, get like, uh, I can understand. Vegan, I'm sorry. If you're vegan, I don't understand you. Alicia's sister is vegan. <laughs> okay, I don't understand her. <laughs> I'm perfectly willing to say that. Okay. I don't um, understand what kind of thing drives a person to do that. Sorry, go, go on. <laughs> anyway, so you get like a, a money bonus because of that. Um, another trait is pacifism, meaning you can't attack any enemies... But you get a vast bonus to any money you pick up. So if you find, like, treasure chests, or if you break furniture that has money in it sometimes. Um, so it's really challenging yourself, but you get an extra bonus. Other ones are more, like, cosmetic, so there's, like, um... I can't remember what the scientific term for it is, but basically colorblind mode. Where it's a smaller bonus, but you can only see in black and white. Uh, and weirdly enough... I actually do better when there's less color. <laughs> yeah, so it's I mean, a win-win for me. It's simplified. It's like the... So pro StarCraft players actually, no matter how good their computer was, they used to play... Pro StarCraft 2. They used to play with the graphic settings on the lowest setting possible. Mm, because... So it's basic thing for the eyes Yeah, to exactly. They, they were able to very... They found that they were more uh, quickly able to determine what was on the screen. Yeah. So you didn't have all the ground effects and particles and things. It was just very simple. Okay, this unit is here. This unit is here. This is a mineral. This is uh, a gas vein. Yeah, this is a base. It. So I can see that the colorblind mode thing. Um, it it minimizes the things that your brain has to process before it reacts. Yeah, one thing. Uh, one trait that I am kind of confused about, and obviously they changed it from the first game, because I guess it was too uh, risque, shall we say. Um, but there is a trait in the first one called gay. And it's not a bonus, you don't get more money, you don't get less money, it's completely... It, the, uh, the description of it is simply, you're a fan of the man, if you're playing as a male character, or you know, <laughs> likewise if you're a woman. Um... I don't see what's and wrong with that though. Like, are, did they patch it out because gay people don't exist? Like, no, it's still in there, but they changed it. Instead of it being the trait gay, it is now the trait nature. And I don't see what, what? the fuck nature has to do with it. <laughs> but maybe it's something that I'm missing. Maybe there's an inside joke there or something I don't get. They're probably um, talking about penguins. Penguins are one of the only other animals on Earth that um, have been observed in the wild as being gay. Oh, penguins it's actually will. Uh, penguins actually frogs, will like course. mate for life with uh, male <laughs> counter, like male on male counterparts, or you know. Oh, that's interesting. It's it's one of um, the it, first of all. One thing that's interesting: penguins do mate for life. Like they they hmm. they're one of the other few monogamous species on the planet, um, and two. There are gay penguins that are gay for life, which Amazing. is it, it, they're one of the few other animals that we've observed doing it. I'm not saying they don't exist in other animals. Why aren't they on the LGBT flag? I, I don't know. I want Honestly, a penguin on my flag. They want a, <laughs> they should be the mascot. 
<laughs> um, anyway, I'm sorry. So, yeah, um, that, that was venturing into maybe some uh, yeah, spicy yeah. territory, but it, it's an interesting uh, little little factoid there. Take that away with you. You know, there's gay it penguins is. out there. Um, yeah, so it's. Don't get me wrong. I've been playing the game a lot. I am enjoying it. I don't think it's as good as the first game. Certainly not yet. Anyway, I can't wait to see what progresses pro progression they add into the game because I think it's still got a long way to go. Um, but yeah, that's one of the things I've been playing, and I would recommend it if anyone out there wants to. I'd recommend the first one if anyone wants to play it. Rogue Legacy, it's a <coughs> controller support, so I've always played with the controller. <coughs> Sorry, just coughing there. Uh, that's all right. I, so I, I will uh, right off the bat say that I love that mechanic of applying a debuff to get a bonus. Yeah. Halo did that from Halo 2 or 3. I can't remember. They added in these skulls and what you could do is if you turn the skulls on you would get a score multiplier mm, but like yeah, I remember that. depending on what the skull was some of them made enemies throw gr more grenades some of them made enemies like tougher explode and yeah. stuff when they die yeah, some of them yeah, made yeah. them explode when they die like all these things that were meant to make the game more challenging and you got a if you're going for a score attack you would get a score multiplier if you turned them on there were some that yeah. made the game easier too, or some that just made them funny. And there was a zero yeah, no, skull multiplier, <laughs> like it, like the, yeah, the grunt birthday party. Uh, if you got a headshot on the, the tiniest enemies, they would explode into confetti and go yeah. yay. <laughs> um, yeah. So those ones applied a zero percent multiplier, like it just it wouldn't do anything to your score. Mm. Uh, but other ones did actually significant. Like the one that made enemies all upgraded was like a four x skull or a four x score multiplier. But the enemies were fucking hard to kill. Uh, so I, I I'm that, a fan of that that because it, it it adds replayability. Because you know once you've mastered a game, what's there left to do but go back and try to challenge yourself by doing things that are it it kind of. It turns the tendency of players to go back and try and find ways to beat the game in silly ways into a game mechanic and gives them a reward for it. Yeah. You know, like going back and trying to play Halo with a Guitar Hero controller. I've done that. <laughs> There's, um, <coughs> we actually did that with Halo 2 as well. In a fairly, I say fairly recent, fairly recent for me because, anyway. Um, <laughs> they did this. Thing called crime spree where you play a mission and it starts out super easy uh like easy enemies all that stuff every time you get to a certain waypoint with enough points uh like with subsequent missions it says right you've got to pick from one of these three options and all of them are like either uh, enemy shield will pr uh, reflect projectiles or the enemies will get tougher or medics will keep healing after they die or something uh and so there is a reason to be putting them in the game. And the further you get in there without dying, uh, and then you cash out before you die, uh, the more like crazy cool loot you get. Like so XP, money, masks. You're, you're pushing yourself to your, your limit. Like, how far can I push this before yeah. it's like, okay, I, 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 gotta, I gotta back out. It's gambling with your time, not your money. Oh, speaking so you of still get the rush of like... Oh shit! If I die here, I'm gonna lose a whole bunch. But at the same time, it's not money that you're losing; it's just your time. Speaking of um, the GameStop thing, 
Yes, the GameStop thing, the stonks. Yeah, so it, it kind of petered out. Um, things, like, uh, it was it was obviously something that was never going to last. No. And like I said, I bought the, the stock thinking that it was going to devalue, and I never sold it. I, I think I have, like, three or four shares just as a... Uh, <laughs> almost as a souvenir at this point. Again. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I lost something like $500 on on the trade so far. Oh, yeah. It's down to $50, which is probably a fair evaluation of the company. Okay. Because it was it was driven up to extremely high prices during this whole thing. But before this whole thing, these other companies were driving it down to extremely low prices, and neither was correct. It should have, based on the way the company is going, it should have been valued somewhere between like you know forty and eighty dollars. If from from the this is not me, this is like the, the from the analysis that I've seen by people who actually are economists. That's what I, I've heard is that. The um, the stock should have been valued around there, but it was pushed way down by these um, scummy fund managers, and then it was pushed way up by these fucking Reddit trolls. <laughs> and so now it's just sitting it. around where it should be. It's about fifty bucks right now. But it's just a, it's it's a, the whole saga was very interesting. But I just I, I realized we talked about that in one segment, the like when it was all happening, and then never came back to it. Um, so I just, uh, just a quick update that that's what the resolution was. Mm. Um, the the hedge fund that shorted the fuck out of them ended up losing something like forty percent of their net worth. Yeah, it's no surprise. Um, which is, I mean, it's they get what they deserve. Like it's not. I'm not unsympathetic to them because they, in their mind, they were just doing their job. But. I think it was a good wake-up call because it showed them that you're taking a risk. There's always going to be the risk that some asshole is going to come in and uh, take advantage of the fact that you're taking a risk. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, it wouldn't be a risk otherwise. <laughs> exactly. But they, they were treating it sort of like <clears throat> they could never lose or they could never fail. And that's, that's a mistake. It's a mistake in business, it's a mistake in investment, it's a, it's a mistake in life. Mm. Never assume that you can't fail. Because if you do, you're going to get fucked when you fail. Yeah, but don't always assume that, you know, everything's going to go badly. Well, exactly. <laughs> both, I think both, both, both perspectives are delusional. Yeah. It's delusional to think that you will always fail. It's delusional to think that you will never fail. That being said, watching you play for the king, the amount of luck you have, is kind of disheartening. <laughs> I I won't I won't deny that, and I don't. I know will how to always explain fail it. in that game, and you will always cuck me. It, it's some. <laughs> I I do not know this. I do not know how exactly it functions, but it's the same thing when I play D anD. D I roll a disproportionate amount of very high rolls whenever I try to do something stupid. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't know why. <laughs> I just. I think. I think luck is actually a real life stat, and I. I have a few points in it. <laughs> uh, clearly, 
Uh, anyway. Yeah, I think we should have... probably wrap it up there. We're kind of winding down at this point. And we have been going on for quite a bit. We have. It's um, been a long one again. We, we've been getting increasingly longer, I think. But I mean, as, as long minutes. as we have stuff to talk... I mean, this we, we knew this one was going to be long because we had a lot of media to talk about. Like, we yeah. watched two movies this week. We missed a movie that we'd watched previously. And I finished The Expanse. And then on top of that, you wanted to talk about the games, Minecraft. We had topics, and the topics went over. This was a very yeah. packed week. So I, I think as long as we are providing, like content and we're not just waffling for two hours it's fine for us to go over a little bit yeah i think it's fine uh and yeah next week is probably going to be even longer because guess what it's quiz week oh god is it my t- I'm, I'm, it's my turn to quiz you isn't it i'm pretty sure it is yeah because i've only ever been quizzed once yeah yeah and the last one i think it was the half year one before and you quizzed me on the half year yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's Year's. true. Next week it is it. So next week I will be quizzing Blue on. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'll figure something. Oh, you know what? Maybe I'll. Uh, it's St. Patrick's Day in March. Maybe I'll, I'll quiz you on um, some, Ooh, some Ireland. Yeah, on Irish trivia. Irish. Oh, fiddly nice. Is that offensive? I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> but we love you, really, Ireland. I mean, you have one of the sexiest on. accents. I live in Massachusetts. Like half the state's population is like descended from Ireland. True, true. Hell, I mean, I'm I'm a quarter Irish. I am not. But <laughs> anyway, cool. let's 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 end it off there. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. This is going to be the end of episode 29 of the TMCJ podcast. Um, yep. Yeah, thank you for listening, and you'll hear us again. See soon. See you next week.